This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace any legal advice. Hello and welcome back to the Privacy in Public podcast. In this episode, we'll be looking into one of the most important APPs, which is APP6. And I'm so excited that I have Indy Cricket, our senior associate in our team, and Tara Danishkoti, a lawyer, who will be answering some of the really tricky questions that we have about APP6. So welcome, Indy and Tara. Thanks for having us, Catherine. Do you want to start with why? Why is APP6 so important? APP6 is important as it protects individuals' privacy because it ensures that if an entity collects personal information for a certain purpose, that entity cannot use or disclose the information for another purpose unless relevant exceptions apply. So the OAIC, which is the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, the privacy regulator, conducted a survey earlier this year on Australian community attitudes to privacy. This survey found that Australians wanted greater control over their personal information, such as what it was used for, and there's been a decrease in Australians' trust in relation to the handling of their personal information, including misuse of their information. Accordingly, it is important that entities understand and comply with APP6 to increase trust in the community. Do you want to tell us, Indy, perhaps what does APP6 actually say? So APP6 provides that an APP entity, so that can be, for example, a Commonwealth um, agency or department or a private sector entity that meets particular categories, uh, must not use or disclose personal information that was collected for a primary purpose for another purpose which is usually called the secondary purpose, unless the individual to whom the information belongs has consented to that secondary use or disclosure of their personal information, or if one of the exceptions in APP 6.2 or 6.3 apply. The exceptions in APP 6.2 and 6.3 may permit certain uses or disclosures for a secondary purpose. For example, if the secondary use or disclosure is required or authorised by or under law. Would you like to tell us a little bit about some of the sort of the biggest traps that you face? So when you're helping agencies work out whether or not they are complying with their obligations under APP6, what are some of the challenges that agencies need to think about? I think one of the biggest difficulties with APP6 is identifying whether or not a use or disclosure of personal information requires an APP entity to consider the exceptions in APP6.2 or 6.3 three or not. Yes, that's a good point, Tara. And another difficulty faced in relation to APP6 is where an entity has a contracted service provider providing goods and services, such as ICT or cloud services. In such situations, it is relevant to determine whether this constitutes a disclosure by the entity to their contracted service provider, and therefore there is subsequently a collection of that information by the service provider, or instead whether it represents a use by the contracted services provider on behalf of the entity. If I am an APP entity or I work for an APP entity, what do I need to work out whether I actually need to work out whether an exception applies or not? So the first step is to identify the primary purpose for which you collect the personal information. The next step you need to take is to identify all potential uses and disclosures of that collected information. After identifying these additional uses and disclosures, you'll need to identify the purpose for each of those uses or disclosures of the information. Um, And if the purpose is different to the primary purpose you collected the information, i.e. for a secondary purpose. 
you'll need to either obtain consent from the individual for the use of disclosure or consider whether any exceptions in APP 6.2 or 6.3 permit the use of disclosure. When we analyse the um, requirements of APP 6, we normally split up each secondary use and disclosure to ensure we properly analyse the purpose for which the information was collected and whether the secondary use of disclosure falls within that purpose. And then if it doesn't fall within that primary purpose, any applicable exception for the uses and disclosures. So we've been hearing that there are these wonderful exceptions, as there always is in the Privacy Act, but what are the most common ones that, that you come across? So most commonly, we see that a use or disclosure of information, so again, the secondary purpose, is permitted by APP 6.2a, which provides you can use or disclose the personal information if the individual would reasonably expect you to use or disclose the information for a secondary purpose. And the secondary purpose is, if the information is sensitive information, directly related to the primary purpose, or if it's not sensitive information, simply related to the primary purpose. Um, and the other one that we often come across is APP 6.2b, which provides that you can use or disclose the personal information if the use or disclosure of the information is required or authorised by or under an Australian law or a court tribunal order. That's really interesting. Indy, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, and that's the relationship between the APP entity and its contracted service provider. I was um, wondering if you'd like to talk a little bit about that relationship and whether it's a disclosure to that contracted service provider or whether really it's a use, it's considered to be a use by the agency. And how do you tell the difference? This is a hot topic um, in privacy at the moment. So the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, which, as Tara said, is the, the national privacy regulator, has provided some guidance around this issue. Um, however, we do understand that this guidance has not yet been tested in the court so there is still some some room to manoeuvre. But the guidance, um, as is currently drafted, indicates that in particular limited circumstances, uh, disclosure to a service provider to perform services can be considered a use by the relevant APP entity rather than a disclosure to that contractor and then a subsequent collection by that contractor. Uh, and the guidance does step out a number of key features um, which help the reader to decide whether the relevant APP entity is simply using the information. And those key features really re um, revolve around this idea that the only circumstances in which an APP entity will be held to be using information when it does in fact disclose it to its contracted service provider is where that APP entity does not release the personal information from its effective control. So the guidance really asks the reader to step through a number of factors when considering whether the APP entity does or does not release the personal information from their effective control. So the OIC suggests that if it is a use, there should be a binding contract between the APP entity and the contractor, which essentially allows the contractor only to handle the personal information for the very limited purposes set out in those contractual arrangements. And the contract itself um, needs to really clearly give the APP entity effective control of how any personal information is handled by the contractor. So, for example, when you're looking through your contract, you should be considering things like, does the APP entity retain the right or power to access, change or retrieve the information when it's being held or accessed by the contracted service provider? 
Is there anyone other than the APP entity, so for example, personnel from the service provider who can access the information? And what purposes can they access that information for? You also need to be thinking about the security measures that will be used for the storage and management of that personal information and considering whether um, the information can be retrieved or permanently deleted by the APP entity when the information is no longer required or otherwise when the contractual arrangements with the service provider have finished. And finally, uh, it's really important that in any contractual arrangements, there are provisions that require any subcontractors to your service provider to agree to the same obligations. So if you can go through the guidance from the OIC and you can start ticking off those kinds of things, you know, there's a binding contract, the APP entity still still looks like it's got effective control of the information. It's more likely than not that um, you will be able to um, to reach a view that the disclosure of information to the contracted service provider is actually just a use by the APP entity. But it's a pretty nuanced area, um, and so watch this space area as well, as there is um, likely to be more guidance to come. It, se it seems to me that there would be, it would be pretty clear. So if you've got a cloud services contract, it would be much clearer in that than where you have a sort of standard contract, you know, service provider arrangement for sort of traditional services. It seems quite tricky to um, analyse those. But when you do, do you normally make recommendations about the contractual relationships between the entities? Yes, we do note that it is really tricky to consider contractual um, arrangements and decide what needs to go into those arrangements. So what we do is we open up the contract and we look at whether the provisions in that contract clearly demonstrate that the APP entity has the necessary degree of effective control over the personal information and how it will be handled by the contracted service provider. And if, um, as is often the case, there aren't really clear provisions in the contract, uh, we do recommend a number of amendments to them just to ensure that anyone reading the contract clearly understands that even if information is provided to the contracted service provider, the APP entity still has the right to manage um, how that contracted service provider will use and store that information, for example. So we ensure that provisions are inserted into the contract that clarify that the APP entity does have effective control. So for example, there'll be things like the contracted service provider can only collect, use and disclose personal information strictly for the purposes set out in the contract. And there'll also be um, requirements usually on a contracted service provider to ensure that they comply with the APPs as if they were an APP entity. And that's to ensure that there are appropriate protections applied to that personal information. And we'll also include provisions um, that require the contracted service provider to delete information if it's not required and um, otherwise to ensure that they handle the information appropriately um, after the termination or natural end of the contract. So there are a range of mechanisms um, that we can use. And what we generally do is we just tick off against the guidance issued by the OIC to check that we're meeting those sort of key factors that suggest that an APP entity is retaining effective control over personal information. Sounds like you can't just do a brief sort of skim of the contract and, and tick a box. It's really a much more holistic analysis. Any last hot tips that we should think about when we're um, considering APP6? I think as a final note, I think that um, APP entities and agencies and organisations should always be aware of the risk of function creep. So function creep is where information is collected for one purpose, but then starts to be used or um, disclosed for another purpose, which was not originally anticipated. Mm. Is there anything you can sort of do to mitigate that risk, Tara? 
Well, in such a case, um, we'd recommend that you carefully consider the privacy impacts of any proposed changes to any information flows in your project. So these could be examined through either a supplementary PIA process or seeking appropriate privacy advice. Um, but it's always important to make sure that you're looking at each of these uses and disclosures um, and the purpose for which you collected the information carefully. That seems like a, a really practical tip to make sure that your PIA process isn't, isn't a sort of set and forget process it's an ongoing continual consideration of of what's happening in relation to your project well on that note i i think it's safe to say that we we all together have learned a lot more about app6 than we did say five minutes ago we hope you found something useful from this discussion and as always please get in touch if we can assist in any respect uh, in relation to APP6 or in relation to any other APPs. Well in our next episode which will be our final episode we'll be looking closely at APP11 which is all about security and the steps that agencies and organisations need to take in relation to the security of their uh, personal information. If you like this episode please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for joining us, Indy and Tara, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon.